Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast. I'm Daniel Shaw, your host, and this is going to be episode number 31, and we're going to talk a little bit about gear. Now, this episode 31 is pretty special because it's a very generous episode of Gunfighter Cast. I say it's very generous because I'm giving some stuff away. Uh, most of you out there know that Gunfighter Cast has been listening for a while. You know that Gunfighter Cast lives off of your guys' donations and little raffles and little things I do here and there uh, whenever we need a little bit of cash to keep it going uh, for website and you know other things and equipment, uh, software, all that good stuff. It lives off of donations and sticker sales. And the sticker sales really don't make anything. Uh, but sometimes they come in and right on time and they help out. So I uh, just got a couple little things that I'm going to do to help get some... Uh, cool gear out there to you guys and help out Gunfighter Cast at the same time that you might want to get into. But before I announce those, Gunfighter Cast Facebook page just hit a little bit over 700 members and I'm hoping to get that up to a thousand sometime. Pretty excited about that because that's a, Facebook's just a really great way to share uh, what's going on and you know different podcasts and ways to learn uh, such as Gunfighter Cast and, and other good resources out there. It's completely free advertising for, for the show, free advertising for the Gun Rights Radio Network, spreads the word around. It's a great way to do it. So invite your friends to the fans, the fans page, check it out so they can maybe become listeners. Uh, anybody who's kind of like-minded like you that would like this sort of thing, you know, tell them about your Facebook page, get them on there, and uh, invite them to it, and tell them about the show. There's a cool little button at the bottom left. You can click Share at the very bottom left of the page. And what that does is you just click that and it puts the Gunfighter Cast webpage on your profile. And you can put whatever comment you want and if somebody can click that and they can go see it. You could click share and put, hey, this is a really cool radio show. If you like guns, you might want to listen to it. You know, Whatever you want to put on there. Use your imagination. Just tell everybody how awesome it is. Right, but anyway, speaking of Facebook, I made a Facebook group called Gunbook. It's just like Facebook. In fact, it is Facebook. It's on Facebook, but... It's a gun book group, group, and all you do is you go on there and you post pictures of your guns and you show everybody how cool you are and what kind of cool guns you have. Throw your gear on there. Throw your reloading equipment on there. Whatever you got, throw some pictures up there. You're at the range, you know, busting some caps. Whatever you're doing, put it on there in the gun book. Show off a little bit. That's what it's for. There's a discussion area there if you want to start discussions or anything. I'm on there. Uh, be answering some questions and you know getting involved in discussions kind of like we do on the gun rights radio network forums and there's also a lot of very knowledgeable people that are already members that would definitely be jumping on your discussions and uh answering questions for you and helping you out if you're interested in using that resource completely free i'm kind of getting a slow trickle of uh good sticker pictures in where you guys bought stickers and you put them on stuff i've got quite a few of those now and as soon as i get those new t-shirts made i'm gonna pick that winner Probably a couple of winners, because I'm getting some pretty good pictures. And send those out there to you. Uh, whoever wins has the best picture. And again, if you buy a sticker, then throw it on something in a really cool spot, really good location, something creative. You know, the coolest place for a sticker wins t-shirts, pretty much. If you want to buy stickers, go to www.gunfightercast.com. Click on the stickers page at the top. And it's like 10 bucks for 6 20 bucks for 12 35 for 24 and so on. Whatever you want to buy. Uh, just tell me how many you want, send some money. I'm not really doing the greatest business out of this and uh, trying to scrounge up every little penny so it's not that big of a deal. Uh, just tell me how many stickers you want and send some cash and you probably end up getting more than uh, you asked for like everybody else who's ordered them. Uh, but that's pretty much how the stickers are going. If you want one, jump on that. It helps Gunfighter Cast out a lot. Donations also help Gunfighter Cast out a lot. And like I said before, it's time to... 
pay some bills, so here we go with a pretty cool raffle that I think you're going to dig. All right, I've got a Surefire flashlight, and this is a nice one. Brand new, retails for about $420. It's the uh, Millennium Universal Weapon Light, one of those series. Very, very nice light. Slightly used. Looks brand new. Works like it's brand new. Doesn't have the remote switch. You have to buy that separately if you want one of those. But the light itself will mount around your M4. It'll be sexy. It'll be bright. It'll work great. And it'll work for a long, long time. Might even burn the skin off a zombie. You'll be completely thrilled to get this light. And what we're going to do is raffle it off. And there's two different ways you can buy a raffle ticket. Either through GunPal or PayPal. Jump on one of those. If you're using GunPal, send $10 to Daniel at GunFighterCast.com. That's my GunPal email address. For PayPal, send the money to $10 to dl.shaw at live.com. That's my email. Or, if you want to do it the easier way, just go to GunFighterCast.com, click Donate, and donate $10. Now, don't just donate $10. If you guys just send me $10, I'm probably just going to send you six stickers. So, or I'm going to email you and ask you. So, in those GunPal, the $10 you send me, or the PayPal, the $10 you send me, put in the comment that this is for the Surefire Weapon Light raffle. That way I'll move it to a folder and I'll keep you all in there. And then we'll say a month from now, uh, I will pick a winner. And I'm not just going to go through and pick it myself. I'm going to assign every single person that sends in a raffle or buys a raffle ticket, I'm going to assign you a number. And there's some websites that generate random numbers based on how many numbers I key in. And I'm going to let that website generate a number. And whatever number it generates... That's who wins the light. So you can get a $420 light for 10 bucks. If you want to buy 10 raffle tickets, by all means, send 100 bucks. But, you know, whatever you want to buy. One, two, no big deal. It's up to you. But it's a good chance to get a very, very nice light for very cheap. So jump on that, please. And if you got any questions about it, whatever, uh, just email me, daniel at gunfightercast.com. Uh, there will also be a picture of it up on the Gunfightercast Facebook page if you want to check that out. All right, also, giving something else away. No money involved here whatsoever. It just takes a little bit of action. All you got to do, this is for the ladies, the ladies only. Uh, no men. I have three medium and one small ladies shirts. Now, these are cut for women, made for women, little stretchy, little collars. They're girl shirts. They're not for men. I have three medium and one small of those Gunfighter Cash shirts left, and they're all black. What you need to do... Ladies out there, and I noticed that there's quite a few ladies listening now. If you want one of these shirts, then I'm going to need two things from you. A picture of you. You could be on a range or not on a range or whatever. A picture of you holding a scorecard from some kind of match. Uh, and I, uh, IPSE, whatever it is you like to do, whatever kind of match you shoot. And I've, there's some people on the Facebook page that are involved in some shooting, and I see pictures of them. And there's other people in the Gun Rights Radio work, like Gail, that, that do some shooting. Uh, really good. And I'm sure you guys have no issue with that. So show me a scorecard. I need to see you with a scorecard that you just shot that, or you're in the middle of shooting it, or something like that. Not too technical on it. But you're going to need another card with you, too. That other card can either be your concealed carry permit, or an NRA membership card. Either one. So you got to have the scorecard. you got to go shoot a match. Because you're going to learn something. You're going to enjoy it, too. You're going to have a good time. So get up, go shoot a match, 
take a picture of you with a scorecard, and let's get a picture of you with a concealed carry permit or the NRA membership card. Now, just keep in mind, if you're doing the concealed carry permit, make sure you put some tape on that or something. You don't you can cover up any important information because we don't want you know everybody looking at that and getting your important information or anything like that. So ladies do that, and uh, I'll give all four of those shirts away. If I get four pictures, then the first four I get, those are the ones that are going to get the shirts. And tell me what size you want. Remember, I need, I've only got three medium and one small. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for announcements right there. And we're going to take a little quick break, and we're going to be right back, and we're going to get right into the topic. The gun control industry keeps clamoring for national ballistic fingerprint databases and micro-stamping technology to be made mandatory for new firearms. This is an odd position, given that the Department of Justice said that fingerprinting systems, quote, do not provide conclusive results, and the BATF Journal says that 46% of micro-stamping impressions ranked as unsatisfactory, and that micro-stamps wear away after as few as 10 rounds. Why, then, the push for failed technologies? Because all these schemes require firearm registration to be remotely useful, and registration is useful to the gun control industry for confiscation purposes. As is always the case with gun control proposals, there is a different agenda than crime control. Arm yourself with facts to strip the gun control industry bare. Visit gunfacts.info and get your free copy of Gun Facts. Called Indispensable by Cam Edwards of NRA News, Gun Facts is your rapid reference guide to debunking gun control myths and shaming politicians into obedience. www.gunfacts.info Alright, let's talk a little bit about gear. All right, there's just so many different companies out there that make very, very nice gear. In this show, we're just going to discuss different types of chest rigs, holsters, magazine pouches, drop pouches, radio pouches, grenade pouches, just stuff that you would wear on your body uh, that helps you do whatever you do. I know the word gear is very, very broad. It could be many, many different things, especially when it's in uh, you know, the gun industry and, and you know what you guys do and protection and all that, uh, protecting yourself and your families. Gear is a very, very broad statement. But this episode, we're just going to get into... Uh, you guys that have some, you know, chest rigs, LBVs, vests, uh, whatever you're using, that's what we're going to talk about right now. Now, I'm going to put some pictures up on the Facebook page, uh, and I'll throw some pictures up on the uh, Gun Rights Radio Network forums when I post this show up there, so you guys can check them out if you like. Uh, of just my my chest rig that I that I use, and it's just my personal rig. It's not uh, the military one. It's just the one I, I like personally. There are other ones out there I may like more, but they cost about a thousand bucks, and I'm not really ready to drop a thousand bucks on mine, on a new one. Uh, I got my hands on this one for very cheap, and it's a very, very nice one as well, and I'm happy with it completely. But there are others that I do like a little bit more. But let's talk about what you like, or what you should like, or how something's going to be. And I broke this thing down into a few different things for gear, and I've got one is the how the what, the where, and where should it be. Now, just a little bit ago, I was just in the computer just typing this up, trying to figure out how I could explain this and break it down into a show and actually talk about things for a little while. Uh, we're talking about gear, and this is kind of what I came up with. So first thing we're going to cover is going to be the how. All right? Say you bought a, an LBV, just a vest, or you bought a chest rig or a plate carrier, and you got plates in it, or you don't have plates in it, uh, or you're just carrying it just for because it holds your magazines or you're law enforcement, and 
you normally wear um, you know your concealable armor underneath your your uniform and in the back of your patrol car you have your your AR uh, and you also have you know a plate carrier or something in case you get into to a situation where uh, you're in a little bit more of a high-risk environment you have to go to that M4 and put on that plate carrier that already has your gear ready for you uh, if you guys anybody in that kind of situation you're gonna probably get something out of this uh, SWAT guys will probably get something out of this military guys who aren't very familiar with uh, you know their gear set up that just kind of new to it or just getting in might be very helpful for you and civilians out there looking for gear to buy and wondering what you should buy what's good what's not and then how to set it up it's gonna be great for you alright first you got that chest rig you put it on how does it feel All right, is it snug is it loose is it tight if I start moving around for a while do I have to adjust it a lot is it comfortable on my shoulders uh, does it sit right does it just sit can I twist my body left and right, you know, traverse my uh, waistline, can I move around, Can is it just too cumbersome, how does it feel, does it feel good for you? It might look really, really cool, but if it doesn't feel good, it's probably not the best fit for you, it's probably not the best way to go. And I kind of hit this one a little bit already, but, you know, how does it fit? And if it doesn't fit well, can you adjust it? Now, I bought this chest rig, I still got it, and uh, it's in the States, and whenever I go back, I'm probably going to either bring it back here, or get it set up to where I dig it out of where I got it stored so uh, somebody can mail it and I'm probably going to give it away on the show because it's a generous episode I bought it from Cheaper Than Dirt and it seems like it's very good quality but just the way it's laid out I do not like it at all um, but it's put together you know it's got great places to put stuff for it's got molly pals all over it so it's very easy to you know put your gear where you want it but just the way it fits and the way it, it adjusts I did not care for it at all and uh, I'm going to let that one go to one of you guys out there sometime in the future. Because it might work great for you, but it just didn't work for me the way I like to, to wear my, my gear. How does it fit? Can you adjust it? And how many different ways can you adjust it? My vest, the one that I have, I can adjust it. Tightness around me, uh, the shoulders higher, lower. There's just parts all over the place that I can adjust. And I, I can make it just fit me perfect. And right now it fits me very, very nice. Um, it doesn't move around very much. I don't like mine to move around much on me or when I'm running because that's another thing. How does it run? All right, when you're running with this thing on, is it jumping around just a heck of a lot? Do you hear, hear it jumping up and down on your shoulders and bouncing? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right, if it's doing that, it's probably not the best, best fit for you. You probably need to adjust a little bit, get a little bit tighter, make those shoulders a little bit shorter, uh, maybe even longer and tighter in the waist. I don't know. Just you got to experiment with it and play around and see what works. Get it to where when you run, it stays pretty stable on you. When you go prone, does it try to ride way up? And if you've got a helmet on, does it ride up so far that you can't really acquire your sights and look up because your helmet keeps hitting your vest behind you? Can you change magazines in the prone without changing your position drastically uh, if you've got to? Can you get to the gear that you need to get to in the prone position? So just jump in those positions and try it out and see how they work. All right, another one is how does it shoot? All right, if you've got that weapon in your shoulder and you're firing, how does it work? Now, I've got a Blackhawk chest rig. I like it, but as soon as I first got it, I went to the range with my AR, and I started doing some drills and shooting, and it's got quick-release snaps on the shoulders right in the worst spots ever. These quick-release straps were right there where I put my buttstock. So my buttstock all the time was getting right on that plastic piece, and it was bouncing around and moving. It just wasn't fitting in my shoulder the way it should. I did not like that at all. I ended up just 
duct taping the heck out of it. So I had a soft, it was a soft area there and I had a nice area for my buttstock to sit if it happened to hit that area. Definitely not my favorite play carrier, but I kept it just in case, you know, sometime in the future, I might need just a play carrier. I didn't like the way it shoots, and you should try that as well. You know, whenever you got your 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 vest on, whatever you're using, and see how it shoots when going down range. If it might work great in your house when you got to sit in your closet and you just wear it every once in a while to try it on or show your friends or whatever, but you got to get out there and get busy with it and see how it works. All right, and how does it come off? All right, how do you take the thing off? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, who cares how you take it off? I mean, you know, it's I'm gonna put it on when I need it and leave it on. Well, yeah, for most people, for most people, it's not an issue. But if you're doing any kind of waterborne operations or you're in an area near water or you're in an area where you may have to take your vest off very quickly uh, because you fell in the water or anything like that, like VBSS type of thing, taking down ships, whatever, you might want a vest that has quick release mechanisms where you just pull tabs and the vest falls apart and it comes right off of you. Very hard to swim with a bunch of magazines on your vest and plates in it. Kind of impossible. So you, that quick release can be very, very good for you. So those are just a few things to think about. And I'm sure there's more things we could come up with if we brainstormed and talked about it. But those are what I came up with for the how. You know, how does it feel? How does it fit? How does it run? How does it prone? How does it shoot? And how does it come off, if that pertains to you? All right, and the next one is the what, all right? Now here's the questions you got to ask yourself. What do you normally do? Okay, if you're going to Afghanistan because you're in the Army or Marines or whatever, then you know, you're probably going to be doing some kind of combat operations. You may be a logistics guy where you're just riding in convoys all the time. Uh, you may be a driver, and you might have your gear set up a little bit differently than the infantry guys that are always out there on foot and sometimes on vehicles. Things are going to change. You've got to think about what do you do. Are you a police officer? Are you just a regular patrol guy that has that AR and that vest in the, in the back in case he runs into that active killer or some other you know, extreme situation where he has to go to that gear and uh, equip himself and use it? Or are you a SWAT officer who you might have to don that gear very quickly and go get busy somewhere doing something? You know, what do you do? What do you normally do? Choose your gear and set it up for that. Figure out what that is. Right? Whenever you've kind of wrote down a few things, and writing down things is a very good way to do it. Just sit down and brainstorm. What do I do? Next thing is, what tools do you need to do what you normally do? For that just regular patrol officer, you know, normally you just you're driving around, you know, enforcing the law, doing what you normally do, and then you might have the situation where you have to use that gear, and that would fall under what might you have to do. We'll get to that in just a second. We'll go back to the tools for now. If you're uh, if you're a breacher on a SWAT team, there's certain tools you're going to need. You're going to have to have a flak that facilitates that. That's going to let allow you to put those things on there. If you're a leader, you might have different things that you have to put on there because you're dealing with maps, dealing with other things, uh, dealing with more communication equipment, you know, some type of thing like that. You you might have to change around your gear from the regular guys. Also, you know, my AR is an AR. You know, my weapon of choice, my weapon in the Marines would be an M4 or an M16A4. So that's the kind of gear that I set my stuff up for. If you're using an AK, you're going to probably have different equipment than I do. You might have different things on your flak. You might have different uh, magazine pouches to fit those. Just what do you tools do you need all right, to get your job done, whatever it is. Just think about that. And then think about what you might have to do. All right, yeah, normally, 
you're, as a patrol officer, you're not pulling out that AR and going and shooting at people. But you get that call that somebody's running through a school shooting up kids, you might be doing that really quick, and you might even be doing it by yourself. So is there anything that you need that can help you out in that situation? So do some brainstorming on that. It, it could be something as simple as, you know, some, some bolt cutters, uh, either in your vehicle or, you know, somewhere you've got it on your flak where you can get to it in case, kind of like in the uh, Virginia Tech incident where uh, the individual chained up some some doors so people couldn't get in. You know, it could be something less extravagant than that. It could be something very small, but it's something that if you think that you may need it, you know, a multi-tool, whatever you could think of, you know, find a way to, to put that on your flak and find a flak that fits that or some kind of vest or LBV, whatever you can come up with. But think about what you might have to do in the worst case scenario. Think about those things. And I'm going to put this together with where it goes here in just a second. But just think about what can help you. What can make you do your job better? And not only make you do your job better, but what can protect you better? If you have the option of, you know, saving a little bit of cash and getting some plates or having your department buy them for you, uh, that's going to be better for you and safer for you than just buying a little load-bearing vest that doesn't stop bullets. You know, saving your your cash a little bit or talking to some supply officer, the, the sheriff department, into getting you that gear or getting everybody that gear might be a better route to go than just, you know, using the LBVs because it's going to keep you alive if you get take those shots to the chest and you get that, that plate in there. Again, if you have a vest or LBV or a some kind of vest that doesn't allow you to put plates in, then you don't even have that option. You might want to rethink that whole rig you got going on. All right? But what you really want to come up with is what is essential? What is a definite need? What do I have what have I got to have? What can I not live without? And those things have got to be on your, your rig got to be on there. You got to be in a good spot. Whatever's essential. If you don't need it, don't put it on there. People all the time I see them with just gear. Just they got pouches attached to pouches because Molly stuff now that it, you've got a pouch in the front and then there's a pouch attached to that and there's like a smaller pouch attached to that and then there's like something else attached, attached to that. It's getting really crazy. And you get to the point where you can't even lay down prone and you can't get back up because you got so many pouches on top of pouches. Just think about what you need and what's essential, and that's what you take. Right? Now, when I say what's what you need and what's essential, I'm saying that's essential to what you normally do and also essential to that extreme situation. Right? Just keep it realistic and, and brainstorm and think about what you need and answer those questions and then work out what you're going to get and then get that stuff and throw it on there however you can. Right, and also, you know, what can I sideline? What is look at your flak right now, whatever vest you're using, rig, and say, what can I sideline? What do I not need? What is on this thing that I really, really don't need? That's just it might be there to look cool, whatever. And people do that all the time. Is there something there that I just I can live without that I just really don't need? Because if you're just going to the range and you're shooting for a couple of hours and you can take it off and hang out with your buddies and fill some magazines, you know. It doesn't matter what's on your flag. It's not going to be that big of a deal to you. But if you find yourself in a situation like some military do all the time and some law enforcement do all the time, where you're wearing that thing for 12, 15, 24 hours, 48 hours, all the time, you're going to start peeling things off of that to make it a little bit lighter, a little bit easier to move around in, and make it a little bit better for whatever you're using it for. So look at it. What is not practical? What do I not need this on there? And I'm going to go ahead and take it off. All right, just to recap that, what do you normally do? What tools do you need? What might you have to do? 
what can help you, what's essential, and what can I sideline. Right? Some of those kind of go together. But just ask yourself those questions, figure it out, and uh, do whatever work you need to do to get that thing straight. All right, now here's probably the most important part. All the time. See soldiers all the time. See airmen all the time. I see civilians in pictures all the time. I see civilians in you know, some of the training videos I've seen all the time with just gear in very, very awkward spots. You've got to have that stuff in the very... You get efficient placement is what you're going for here. Economy of all your items on your flak. Right? Put them in good spots where they need to be. If you're at home right now, push pause, go over there and get your flak. Look at it. Look at those magazine pouches. If you throw grenades, flashbangs, frag, whatever kind of grenades they are, smoke, whatever, or you got a radio... It, when you, and you get your radio pouch, look at and your magazine pouch or whatever, look at it and see where is it? Where are those pouches on my flag? Okay, then ask yourself, why did I put that there? If, of course, you have a modular uh, rig that you can put them wherever you want and you didn't buy one that, you know, somebody in a factory said this is where your stuff should be, which I have never, ever found one, ever. And I've seen many of them. I have never found one of those that come stock, this is the way you're, you're set up, and this is how you're going to keep it. I have never, and I emphasize that, seen one that had it where I liked it. Never. But anyway, where did I put it? And why is it there? Why did I put it there? I'm a right-handed shooter. I keep my hand on my pistol grip and my weapon at all times. So my magazines are coming from my left-hand side. Those are my fast speed reload, quick getting the gun back in the fight. I'm changing magazines with my non-firing hand my left hand, so my magazines are going on my left side, okay? And if I'm doing attack reload, I'm pulling from my right side and constantly rotating magazines to my left. I've talked about this before in an earlier show. I think it was uh, Gunfighter Cast episode 19, I think. We talked about uh, magazines and, and reloads and setting up your gear and rotating mags and that kind of thing. And, but I throw grenades with my right hand. So I keep my grenade pouches on my right-hand side. That's the hand I'm going to throw grenades with because I'm the most confident with that hand. Grenades are scary things to me, so I want to have positive control of that thing if I'm going to go ahead and launch that thing somewhere. Uh, so I keep my right-hand side, so I'll be throwing them with my right hand. That just makes sense. I was teaching some uh, mount or basic urban skills, just room clearing and some little bit of patrolling the other day uh, to some Marines, and they had their they were talking about flax and setting up their gear, and I was explaining them how to set their gear up, and I kind of blew their minds a little bit because I was talking about, you know, where do you put your first aid kit? And like, well, we don't even have anything on our flax. You know, and the first thing I told them, some of you guys probably get a kick out of this. The first thing I told them was, you know, nothing says I'm a pogue, and that means person other than a grunt. Nothing says I'm a pogue like having a slick flag jacket. You know, slick with nothing on it. Grunts usually have their stuff set up and it stays set up because they don't want to bother putting it on and taking it off all the time. So they just put their gear on it and they leave it on it for good. And if they find they like something better, they'll change it around and leave it that way. Uh, the Pogues, on the other hand, they'll, they'll, it's easier for them just to have the slick flak with nothing on it sometimes when they're in the rear, so they don't bother putting their stuff on it, so they just leave it off, and then when they're getting ready to deploy, then they'll finally put their stuff on. Try to get them away from that the best I can, and uh, that's what I was talking to them about. So I said, where do you put your first aid kit? Like, you know, well, I got mine right here, or I don't have mine on mine. I was like, well, I put my first aid kit on the left-hand side, and it's slightly back, but it's not back so far that when I sit in a vehicle it's very uncomfortable and I can't sit all the way back against my seat. But I have it on my flak in a way where I can sit against the seat, but it's also within reach of my non-firing hand. And the reason I say that is hopefully I never come across a situation, but 
and uh, OIF one on March twenty third, two thousand three, whenever we were fighting in Nazaria, there was a, a group of us from Charlie Company. I wasn't with them. I was in Bravo Company. That they had a lot of casualties, and they had to go. Some of you may have seen this on Shootout on uh, the History Channel, but they went and held up in a building. And they ended up calling it the Alamo, and uh, they had to fight the enemy off for quite a few hours. And there was people in there, uh, Marines that were holding pressure dressings and treating other people's wounds while they were shooting people that were coming in the door. And they were holding security on the doors and windows. Uh, there was guys holding pressure on you know other guys' necks while he's pointing his gun at a window. And the guy that's got the pressure dressing on his neck has his gun pointing at uh, a door with his non-firing hand holding the wound, uh, treating the guy that's actually treating his wounds. So they're treating each other's wounds and holding security at the same time. So I think it's important, in case I ever get in that situation, to be able to retrieve that stuff out of my first aid kit with my non-firing hand. That way I can still hold security if I have to with my firing hand by placing my rifle on something, resting it there, whatever. If I'm in that, you know, worst case, feces hit the oscillating object situation, I can do that. I can still fix my buddy or fix myself. I also have a tourniquet on my left shoulder, not my firing shoulder, but my left shoulder, that I can pull that thing off with one hand and I can work it around and get it on a leg or an arm or whatever I need to do. And I can get it really, really quick and I keep that tourniquet right there. I put it on a buddy or put it on myself if I need to. But I have those things set up in case that happens. Hopefully it never does, but it's just something to think about and something you may want to start working out with your unit or whatever it is you do. Uh, or your gear yourself. And having a first aid kit, I think, is very important. It's important not only to, even if you're in law enforcement it's in, or military, it's important to already have some gear on you in case you get hurt. You could, you could you know, tell somebody, that, like, hey, we're waiting for the paramedics. Like, don't, worry, don't wait for the paramedic. I've got a first aid kit right here. If you're a well-trained team, you guys all have them, and you know where they are on each other. Anything that can speed things up and treating those, those wounded could save lives. So have that first aid kit and have it in a good spot. Okay, back to uh, the where. All right, does it do what I need it to do where it's at? Is it in the right spot? I see people all the time with magazine pouches and their big utility pouches right above their magazine pouches. Now, that's great when you're walking around in garrison or in the rear and you're not actually got magazines in your pouches and everything or you're not shooting. That looks great, and you can keep stuff in there. You can put an MRE in there and eat and whatever. No big deal. But then when you actually have magazines underneath it and that pouch is in the way of those magazines... I hate having anything above my magazine pouches, personally. Some people, that's perfectly fine for them. Me, I hate it. If it's above my magazine pouches, it gets moved somewhere else. I just don't like it at all. So think about that. Make sure you can reach it. If it's something you might have to access pretty often, make sure it's somewhere very close and easy to get to so you don't have to work too hard to get to it. And also be able to put it back up. Not something that you always have to get a buddy to help you put your gear back away. You should be able to do it by yourself. All right, to retrieve it and put it back up. And what I just talked about, the other one is, uh, is it in a place to where it hinders another piece of gear from working? If it keeps that other piece of gear from working like that magazine pouch, you probably need to move that. Put it somewhere else. Drop that utility pouch. Put stuff in your cargo pockets if you have cargo pockets. Uh, put it in your hip pocket if you got to. And that's what I do. I, if it's a, a notepad and stuff, goes in my cargo pocket. Uh, GPS, I'll kind of dummy cord it, just tie something to it so I don't lose it, and just put the clip through my flag. If it ends up falling, I'll just stuff it in a magazine pouch that's empty or something real quick or drop it in a dump pouch uh, if that kind of happens. Have it in a place where you can use it and access it, but not in a place where it gets in the way of anything else. And as you look at it and you've asked yourself, where is it? Why is it there? 
and you went through all this stuff, does it do what I need to do there? And you've asked yourself, does it hinder any other piece of gear by being where it is? Then you need to ask yourself, is there a better place to put it? Or do I need to just get rid of it altogether? If there is a better place to put it, put it there, try it out, see if it works. It may or may not. It might take you a while to figure out where you like your stuff. But move it around, try it out, see what works best. All right, and lastly, does it facilitate weight distribution? Like I talked about earlier, if you're out there on the range just with buddies just recreation shooting, it doesn't matter. You know, you're not wearing it too long. You're not confined to that thing for hours and hours. But you're going to want some even weight distribution and a little bit of comfort when you're going to be wearing that thing for a long time. Because if it gets too uncomfortable, you might not even wear it at all. And it doesn't do you any good if you're not wearing it. All right, that's pretty much it for the wear. Now I'm just going to just kind of go through and drill down a little bit here and hit a couple of individual pouches and where you should put them. I've already talked about the primary magazines for your, your AR or M4, whatever you're using, uh, weapon system you're, you're, you're carrying. Right-handed shooters should have the, the bulk of their magazine on the left-hand side. Now my flag has them going all the way across. I change magazines from the left-hand side and keep my magazines rotated that direction. If you're right-handed, you should be doing the same. If you're left-handed, you should be doing the opposite. Because you wrong-handed people, you just do like you always have your whole life and do the opposite of us right-handed people. Uh, I talked a little bit about already uh, grenades and, and flashbangs, uh, having those whichever hand you're going to use to throw them. Smoke, if, you got, if you're going to be using smoker for any reason, smoke doesn't have to be quite as accessible as grenades. You know, grenades, you want to have something that you can pull out and have positive control and manipulate the thumb clip, pull pin, all that stuff very easily and throw it, the grenade's not going to blow up if you drop it. Or that, I'm sorry, the flash, the uh, the smoke grenade's not going to blow you and your buddies up if you drop it. So that's not that detrimental to having it in a perfect spot. But having it somewhere where you can get to it is definitely important. But it's not, usually when you use smoke, it's usually not quite as urgent as you would be pulling out that flashbang or that frag grenade. But have that smoke in a place you can get to it, but it may not be quite as uh, a urgent of placement, I guess, if that makes sense, uh, as the grenade or the, flag, or the frag or the uh, a flashbang would be. All right, drop pouches or dump pouches. I like mine on my left-hand side, uh, just hanging there on my left-hand side so I can just reach over there and drop stuff in there if I need to, magazines or whatever I'm using or whatever I need to put away. Uh, some people put them on the front, and I've done this before, put it on the front. I don't like it being on the front, hanging if you have a grow one protector or if it's just hanging from the front of your flag. It makes it kind of easy to drop stuff in there, and I like that about it. But I don't like about it is if I have to go prone. Not much worse than jumping down in the prone real quick and your magazine doesn't lay flat, it decides to stand up. And on one side of that magazine is the ground, and on the other side of that magazine is use your imagination. All right? Not a good feeling, not fun, not something you want to get involved in. But if you know you're going to be on your feet the whole time, you know, some CQB guys do this, some SWAT guys put them on the front, and it works great for them because they're always standing. But if you expect to be going prone, I wouldn't really do it because it could be pretty painful. I was taught a long time ago, always protect your eyes and never do anything that compromises Jim and the twins. Uh, moving on. I talked a little bit about already first aid kit or first aid kit and tourniquet. Not going to go over that again. But accessory and utility pouches. You don't need to have pouches everywhere on this thing. Every piece of this flag does not need to be filled up. If you need it, put it on there. If you don't need it, don't put it on there. Uh, I know there would probably be some pretty nice things to have in a utility pouch, but if you can put it somewhere else, do it. Or if you can put it on the side, out of the way of those magazines, do it. If you can put it in front of those magazines and it doesn't screw you up too bad whenever you're on going prone or uh, moving around, then put it wherever you need to. Just think about it. Uh, radio pouch. I wouldn't put a radio pouch in the front. I like to have mine in the back. I like to have it in the back left. That way, no cords get in the way of my firing shoulder and also... Uh, 
it stays high. That way my antenna would stick up a little bit over my shoulder in case I'm using a line of sight radio. Uh, my body's actually not going to be blocking the transmission. So radio pouch placement would be uh, something to think about if you're carrying a radio. If you're using a throat mic or an earpiece and you have some kind of push-to-talk system, uh, where are you putting that push-to-talk? Can you put it on your rifle? That would be optimal to wear right near your, your pistol grip or your foregrip. I mean, so uh, that way you can manipulate that and still maintain your weapon in a normal firing position. Uh, having Being able to put it uh, somewhere else on your, your chest rig or on your body would be somewhere where you can quickly hit it with your non-firing hand and then get right back to the gun if you need to to get both hands on it to fight if you've got to. But best would be able to be able to use that and manipulate that push-to-talk button while you're actually you know getting on the trigger if you have to. Obviously pretty hard to talk and shooting people at the same time, but I think you get what I'm saying. Uh, hydration tube. I know it's a very simple thing, but uh, you know I've got a, a Camelback, just a Molly Camelback thing, and it's a cheapo, but it's very well put together. It sits on the back of my flak, and uh, my hydration tube goes down my left shoulder. That way it doesn't get in the way of my firing shoulder. I don't like anything at all on my firing side. A knife. If you want to put a knife, put it somewhere where you can get to it and put it away very easily. And that's the problem with knives. You know, I love knives, and I love fixed blades. I love folders. love them all. My newest knife is a Gerber, and I don't even remember what model it is. But I went to the Gerber, not because Gerber's my favorite knife. In fact, I always break Gerber blades, and I've never been a fan of them. Fan of them. I find that they get very sharp. They don't hold an edge greatly, but they get very sharp. But the reason I got this knife, not even so much the knife. The knife looks well put together, and it, it seems to work well. I haven't really used it extensively yet to, you know, put the Gunfighter Cast seal of approval, so to speak, on it. But I like the case. It's a very, very hard Kydex case that locks securely into place. I can hold this thing and just shake it vigorously up and down, and it will not come out. I have to snatch this thing out to get it to come out of the case. And I think that's great for putting it back in and taking it out. I really hate that, you know, they make these amazing knives, and they just never put any time and quality into the cases. Certain There's a lot of companies out there that just make awesome knives, but their cases are horrible. It's just the usual nylon case with... A little strap and a button. And I hate straps and buttons. Hate them. The hardest things ever to close. Especially when you can't see. and You're, just, you're putting that knife away by a sense of touch. Because it's behind you or beside you. I just hate those things. Uh, where I have my knife right now is on the back of my pistol belt. Going across the back. And this is something I'm trying out. I've never done it like that before. I usually keep it hanging from the side. Either my, my right hand side if I'm not carrying a pistol. Or my left hand side if I am carrying a pistol but maybe slightly behind my uh, my drop pouch. But I'm kind of in the process of checking that out. See, even now, you know, after carrying this gear for many years, I still haven't figured out exactly where I like it because I like to have a big knife, but I want it in a good spot. So I'm trying this behind the back thing, and it, it kind of screws me up when I'm in a vehicle sitting down, not so comfortable. And my biggest fear is if I'm doing some CQB or doing some SWAT type stuff, not a big deal for you guys. But if you're in an area where there's a bunch of civilians around or like Afghanistan and you're talking to people and you're walking in, there's a lot of population, there's a lot of kids coming up to you trying to sell CDs and all the stuff that they do. Or you're in some other country, you know, and kids come up trying to sell Cokes to you because, you know, everywhere you go, there's a kid with a cold Coke. You don't even know how he got that Coke. And it's a cold Coca-Cola. You've never, you haven't seen anything or had anything cold in forever. And now all of a sudden there's this kid coming up in the middle of nowhere, you know, middle of Africa somewhere. Uh, shows up with a Coca-Cola that's freezing cold and it blows your mind, but you got to buy it from them with whatever you got or trade them something because uh, you just can't resist. But there's going to be people around you 
having that knife behind me, I, I didn't like that because somebody could easily come up to me and just pull my knife out. So I don't like that at all uh, for that aspect. So that's probably not going to stay there where I have it just for that reason. Just something else to think about. If you have a holster and a pistol, if you're carrying those as well as your, your primary, you might want to think about where you're going to put that. And uh, if you're a right-handed shooter, obviously it's going to be on your right-hand side. Is it a drop holster? Uh, are you going to be putting your flak over your normal patrol gear? And then does your flak sit on your pistol where you can't even get your pistol out if you need to? Just different little things like that you might want to consider. You may want to think about getting one of those, uh, getting a holster that actually sits on your flak on the right-hand side, or if it works for you, I've seen some people have them on their chest. I don't like it on the chest because, again, I don't like things above my magazines. I know, and I, <laughs> I'm still getting beat up in emails about people mad at me because I don't like the Serpa holster. I'm sorry. My mind is made up. I've used the Serpa quite a few times. Every time I use it, I hate it even more. Sorry. Nothing's ever going to change. It's just the way it is. It may work great for you. For me, not at all. Don't care for it. And people say, but it's so cool because I can put my, I can take my holster off of one thing because I got that quick detach system and put it on somewhere else or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, what? who's not doing that these days? Safarland's been doing that for a while too. They got the same thing. Um, it's not, I mean, and Safarland was doing it whenever Blackhawk was still trying to figure out how to use nylon string and sew up Kydex because they didn't have it figured out yet. You know, and then they went to the, those little systems. It's not revolutionary. So, uh, but something you might want to do that. If you're using one of those holsters, Serpa or Safarland or any other companies that make these, where you can take that holster off of your uh, duty gear and put it on your flak very quickly. Or just take your pistol out of your holster and put it in your holster that's already on your flak if you have that option. And if you're using that pistol as a secondary weapon, your primary goes down. It's a lot faster to pull out that secondary and put bullets on bad guys than it is to fix that double feed. But there's one more thing that you got to do after you lay that guy down with that secondary. You want to get that primary back in the fight. You want to get back to the big gun. Is your holster quick to come out of the holster and get in the fight? And also, is your holster easy to get back into the holster? Because you got to use both hands to fix that stoppage you got in that primary. So if you've got one of these, and I, I hate the nylon holsters. It's what we all used to use back in the day, but I hate them now. I just I can't stand whenever I have to use one, or if I go to the range, like, you can't wear that holster. you got to wear this. It drives me crazy uh, to have a holster that whenever I go back to my primary, I have to look down at my holster, put it in there, somehow snap a button while my hands are shaking, and, you know, I've got that combat cocktail going through my body, now, I've said before, I can barely snap my shirt sometimes and line the buttons up right. Now i got to button a holster when I'm you know, just in the middle of a fight to get my primary back up, and now I'm unarmed. It's a very vulnerable situation. So having a holster that you can quickly drop in there and it locks, like the Serpa, which is a good thing about the Serpa, which is where the Serpa beats all of the nylon holster. It's definitely better than the nylon holsters for those reasons. But, uh, you know, you guys, I've told you before, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that Safari Land, the ALS system. Um and the little ALS and hood system. But uh, just something to think about there. Not only retrieving that pistol, drawing, but also, you know, putting it away when you're going back to primary. All right, other if you're a you know, specific officer that carries a shotgun, or you don't have an AR and you keep a shotgun in your car, uh, where are you going to put your shotgun ammo? Now, there's a lot of different ways to put your shotgun ammo, your shells. You can put them in a drop pouch. Some people do that. Some people put them in the little... They, the elastic molly-type pals where they just sit in there and they stay there. And those work, too. Personally, I like the drop pouch method. I reach in there, my finger breaks between the, the elastic nylon there. I reach down there and I grab a shell out if I need to. If you're doing a speed reload, 
then you just grab that shell. And if you feel that you're, uh, you've got it right there in your hand, and as you're coming out of there, you, you can already feel that shell. And you can tell that your brass hand is pointing forward toward the bad guys or toward the front of your body, and you pull that thing out, then you know that if you reach under the weapon, that shell is going to go in there backwards. So you got to reach to drop it in the chamber. You reach over the weapon, and that puts that shell in the dire the correct direction. Uh, then you just send a slide forward, finish filling the magazine tube. Uh, if that you feel that the crimped in or the shell part is pointing towards the bad guy, uh, toward the front, and the crimped in is not pointing toward the front, then you need to go, or the shell part, the actually metal part is pointing toward the threat. Then you're going to go over the top. If the crimped in is pointing toward the front or toward the threat. You can't go over the top because your shell is going to be in there backwards. So then you just go underneath the weapon and then send the slide forward. Uh, fill the magazine tube and do whatever work you got to do. I like that, but it takes practice to get used to that. As you reach in there, you've got one, you feel where it's at, and on your way up, you decide if you're going under or over. It takes a little bit of practice, but not too much. Uh, but it's always good to get there and do some training. Uh, military or SWAT, if you train to, to actually mark rooms, you cleared a room and you got to mark it, uh, you might want to have another pouch on there somewhere where you can get to it very quickly. Or maybe have a pouch on there for you know spray paint if you're using fluorescent paint, uh, fluorescent paint, fluorescent paint or some kind of paint to mark rooms as they've been cleared, or mark doorways or whatever you've got to mark. You might want to have that in a way where you can get it out real quick and put it right back in. Uh, there's some pretty cool uh, hydration pouches out there that hold Nalgene bottles. Uh, canteen pouch would work. Uh, a radio pouch would work to carry the spray paint. Uh, a lot of different things out there you could use for the spray paint. And you could actually even set it up somewhere to where you don't have to take it out of your body. You just kind of stand next to it, push the button in, and draw a line. Uh, just throwing it out there. But you don't want to get any you know, bright yellow, red spray paint on your gear because then you wouldn't look cool anymore. So I'd be careful with that last method. Chem lights. Chem lights are pretty easy to mark rooms with. Uh, just, hang, just hang all those chem lights on a, uh, like a flux cuff or a zip tie. Make sure it's a strong zip tie that can withstand a lot of pulls on it, and you can pre-cut your uh, your chem lights just a little bit so they're easy to snap off. And that's pretty much all I got written down for you know individual pouches. I'm sure there's a lot more, and feel free to you know send me an email and ask me about this or whatever. Send send pictures on the Facebook page or the Gun Rights Radio Network forums, and you know just start a little discussion. We'll talk about it. You know what works, what works for you, and some of you guys might have some really cool ideas that I want to try out. And uh, maybe some of you guys might like what I'm doing or some other people are doing. You can try out what they're doing or what I'm doing and see if it works for you. And you just kind of share information as we always do. But then uh, the last thing we're going to hit here is team considerations. You know, if you're on a SWAT team or you're a platoon in the military, whatever it is you guys are doing, you can ask yourself, are there any specific items that I need you know, that helps out the team? Something I need to carry for the team, whether it's a, some kind of litter in case somebody gets hurt, you can get them out of there real quick. Uh, maybe a couple of your guys might have those. Uh, is it some more extensive medical equipment to augment what you know? maybe your paramedic with you has or your medic or your corpsman or whoever you have with you? Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's breaching equipment because you're a breacher and you've got to carry more stuff. You're doing mechanicals, explosive, or whatever it is you're doing, uh, thermal, anything, whatever you're using, you might have to use some, or carry some extra stuff. And you might have to have your gear set up a little bit differently whenever you become that individual that's, you know, now you're the breacher. Your gear setup may change. Uh, if you're a leader, you might some kind of um, a leader might have uh, you know more calm equipment. Uh, you might have uh, you want a place to put maps, want a place to write more. There's some pretty cool uh, things that can go on your leg. You can flip open a pouch, real qu flip open something real quick, and write things down if you need to take notes. Key the information real quick over the radio, and you have a place to write it down so you haven't got to dig out a pen and paper 
Uh, you can just take a knee real quick, flip that open, right on it, close it, and uh, you're back doing whatever it is you were doing. Uh, so you might want a little bit different gear as a leader. Obviously, people like machine gunners or you know sniper types, uh, designated marksmen, you're going to have your gear set up a little bit different and uh, have things to, to facilitate whatever you're doing. Uh, different kind of pouches to, to work on your gun, to uh, carry ammo or, or whatever it is you got to do. Uh, if you're carrying a shield, you might have your gear set up quite a bit different than everybody else uh, because you get that shield. You might want to you know, make sure you don't have much stuff on that left-hand side so you can get that arm all the way around. I've never been a shield carrier guy, so other than doing a little bit of non-lethal training that I'm not a fan of, personally. Not that non-lethal is not a good thing, just I'm not a fan of doing it. There you go. And drivers. Drivers, you might not want a whole lot of magazine pouches. They're really thick. You might just want single-stack magazine pouches instead of doubles. But you get, Especially if you're short and you got to get close to that steering wheel. You know, just little things you got to think about there. You might want to change your gear up a lot to be able to get in and out of that vehicle faster. Uh, have a, a quick detached three-point sling or one-point sling, quick detached, so you can get in and out of that vehicle real quick and have that, that weapon beside you if you can't keep it slung between your legs right there while you're driving. I've uh, seen a couple of things from the, uh, the the FBI hostage rescue team. They had some. Usually, their big team comes down once a year to Chesapeake and do some training. And I used to go talk to them. And uh, some marshals would come out. Some some pretty high end marshals uh, teams would come out there and do some stuff. It was really interesting to see how their gear was set up because they they had a really nice budget and they seemed to really know what they were doing. So I was pretty impressed by them. They had some pretty cool gear where uh, they had these balls. And some of these SWAT teams out there in the big cities may have them as well. Maybe even some smaller ones because they really weren't very expensive. Not near expensive as I thought they were for the whole system. It was just a few hundred dollars. But you have these balls that you throw into a room and it automatically writes itself. And then you can control it with a little camera and a little remote control thing. And you can actually see everything in the room. You can just look around. You could set it somewhere and watch an area and use it for observation if you wanted to. You could throw it through a window. You know, break It's big enough and heavy enough to break a window. But it was really cool. And they actually had their stuff mounted on the back of some individuals flag jackets so they're in the stack getting ready to go into a room they'll throw a ball in and one of the guys back in the stack could actually look in the room and control it because he's right behind the guy in front of him and it's just on the back of his flag it was pretty cool uh, i've seen before where uh, there's a, a map pouch some kind of like a, a plastic where you just slide a map in there or you slide blueprints in there where as you're moving through a building, you come up behind the guy who's got the blueprints on the back, and now you know the layout of the building. You know how big that room is right in front of you that you're getting ready to go into. If you have you know, a prolonged situation where you've been able to obtain all that information for your pre-plans and all that stuff, you can put that in there and you know, it might be useful for you. And then again, you know, might not, just something else to think about you might want to do. And the last thing, I've also seen people with magazine pouches on the backs of their flags. Now, you look at it, and at first it doesn't make much sense, but if you're thinking about you're in a stack, that's really cool for the guy that's right behind you that uh, needs to do attack reload. Instead of reaching from his magazine pouch or one of his, he just pulls that one out of the back of your flak and does attack reload right there real quick. It's right in front of him, pulls it out, attack reload, and now he's back in the fight ready to go. So if you guys are on a SWAT team or whatever, might be a couple things you want to think about, try out, see what works, see what doesn't, and uh, go from there. All right, well, that's pretty much all I've got for uh, episode number 31 of Gunfighter Cast. Remember, get in there on uh, PayPal or GunPal. GunPal, Daniel at GunfighterCast.com. And for PayPal, it's dl.shaw at live.com. Or go to GunfighterCast.com and click donate. Send 10 bucks. Tell me it's for the raffle. 
and I'll get you in there for the, the Surefire Light Raffle. Uh, if you want stickers, it's already told you at the beginning how to get those. Just click on the GC bumper stickers on the webpage. Get your sticker, put a sticker on somewhere cool, send me the picture of it. And uh, you could even post a picture on uh, on the Gunbook page or the Gunfighter Cast Facebook page. You don't even have to email it to me. I'll keep track of them there as well. Actually, I'd rather you put it there because that way everybody gets to see it and see what cool place you put it in. So, whatever works. But I uh, hope to see you guys in. Hope to see you guys over on that Gunbook page posting all the pictures of your cool guns. And and it's been fun. I hope you guys got something out of this talking about gear. I know we could probably went on more about gear and talked about different things. By all means, if you have any questions, start a discussion, whatever, send me an email. And I'll answer your email and answer it in the next show if it's a, if it's a... Something that I think a lot of people probably have the exact same question. Uh, I'll definitely answer it in the next show to get that out there. Or if there's anything you want me to clarify, just send me an email, daniel at gunfightercast.com, and I'll do my best to help you out. Uh, but thanks for listening, guys and gals. Thanks for downloading and subscribing and all that good stuff. Make sure you listen to the other shows on the Gun Rights Radio Network. Uh, a lot of good shows out there, a lot of good information that people just taking their time out of their, their days to help you guys out, giving you good information, lots of resources, so take advantage of them. Uh, thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time. Gunfighter Cast out.